Welcome to Wicked Yankees Adventures. I'm your host for today's story, Bucky Lewis. This one's a great one. You're going to love it. It's called The Man-Eating Maid of the Arnold Stubog, or How the Ernest Thibodeau Memorial Ski Jump Got Its Official Name. The Ernest Thibodeau Memorial Ski Jump stood alone in the skyline surrounded by Arnold's Bog in Maine. Now, Maine is known for tremendously vast great bogs, and this bog was named after Benedict Arnold, who led his army through this vast swamp while escaping the Indians after his attack on Quebec, surviving only by eating insects, moss, and each other. On the edge of this quagmire, there was one finger of ridgeland that was created by collisions of glaciers from centuries before that rose steeply up to the sky. This magnificent glacial anomaly was the site of the then-famous Ernest Thibodeau Memorial Ski Jump. Originally named the man-eating maid of the Arnold Stubog, this ski jump eventually was named after Ernest Thibodeau, who designed and developed it. It used the natural slope of the steep glacier as the in-run, and with a wooden-built liftoff for launch, it also used the natural steep grade of the glacier for landing area. Airborne Ernie, as he was called, was a course setter for the Asshole, the American Society of Ski Jumpers organization. Asshole events were popular because of the wide open style jumping and the raucous crowds of spectators. They were building an ever-growing fan base for the spectacular crashes, tumbles, and airtime that happened more often than not in the unique sport of natural steep-grade ski jumping events. As a course setter, Airborne Ernie was responsible for finding the toughest hill and designing the fastest ski jumps in the country. When color TV came onto the scene in the 60s, Sports competitions started to consolidate into bigger event locations and be broadcast from there. This turned the smaller venues into icons of memories past and the ghosts of zoning future. Ski jumps were hit particularly hard if they were anything under 70 meters. The one at the Stubog was 58.7 meters, unofficially 60 meters. Aptly named the man-eating maid of the Arnold Stubog because of the way she made so many men crash and burn, this ski jump hadn't seen an open day for five years and was showing its age. When the wind would howl through the cedars of that swamp, the old girl would come alive and be young again, moaning, humming, shuddering, heaving, squealing, and undulating with so much energy that a young man would add to the hardwood population <laughs> just being near it. Ever beckoning, she was irresistible. When the Hilltoppers tour had to stop in Airborne Ernie's hometown, he decided to turn up the heat. A former nationally ranked amateur himself, Ernie was always compelled at pushing the envelope. This competition found him bound and determined to create a record-setting big air course, one that could forever land him into the history books and beyond. Just how far beyond was soon to be seen. 
he devised a plan to make the steep graded natural ski jump even more spectacular and dangerous. He had a dream the night before when it hit him. If the mountain won't come to Muhammad, bring Muhammad to the mountain. So he jumped out of bed, went to the ski jump, and promptly <laughs> watered down and iced up every part of that jump, the in-run and the landing. He figured with this preparation, he would make the Arnold Bog Glacier Jump famous for being notorious and tough. Well, conquering that steep ice-coated jump would be another matter. It was cold that morning of the big day. It was snot frozen to your face cold. And that wasn't steam coming up from the ground and trees. The open water in the bog holes seemed to be catching their collective breath from the ice surrounding them. Blame the damn Canadians, eh? That radiational cooling in the air coming down from the north was somehow their fault. Like a bad hangover, it kept coming at you in waves. The frost that covered the jump that morning made it look faster than sneeze goes through a mitten. The ice on the ski jump was harder than a young boy on prom night. When the contestants showed up that morning, the only thing that was warm were the soggy bottoms of the entrance when they saw the course and all that ice. Now, this is an important part. Every competition has a pace setter. You know, a person who sets the pace of a course and goes first so the contestants can see how it's done. Airborne Ernie, being the designer of the jump for asshole and also a former ranked amateur ski jumper, was going to be first one down. Ernie never lacked in courage, but he made up for it in not being very smart. With a thousand spectators showing up on this blistery cold morning, it was time to start. The loudspeaker was blaring music from Judas Priest, and the smell of pot was in the air as Ernie was set to hurtle down from the top of the jump and conquer the man-eating maid. He released from the top of the run, and before you knew it, he was a blur coming down the track. After all, it was the steepest in-run track ever made in ski jumps. And the ice, faster and faster, he plummeted down the track. Now, the drop-off of a ski jump usually is just that, a drop-off. No, but Ernie had thought when he designed the jump, he would put a little lip for launch, you know, for shats and gaggle. Well, <laughs> when he reached the lipped launch point, People thought they could hear something that sounded like a sonic boom. He catapulted fearlessly into the sky like an ICBM. Up and out he flew, past the landing, beyond the crowd, over the parking lot, beyond the nipple of land, deep somewhere into the icy bog. To this day, locals who were there that day still disagree on where he landed because... He was never found again. And still to this day, it became the shortest ski jump competition in history, and one that never happened. One of the theories on why he was never found is that he plunged through the ice in a deep pool and kept going into one of the many underground springs that fed the bog. The momentum carrying him the rest of the way somewhere near the center of the earth, or at least close to China. Local legends say that when you go out to the island, you can hear an added voice to go with a ghost maiden of the bog. 
especially on windy days, as the wind whips through the rotting two-by-fours of the ski jump turned rocket launcher. And if you close your eyes and listen real careful-like, you'd swear you can hear airborne Ernie hollering, Holy crap! as he still fights his way through the wild blue yonder forever into infamy. This has been your host, Bucky Lewis, for Wicked Yankee Adventures on the shores of beautiful Lake Guttapee here in New Hampshire. Gotta go.